Hi guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. Today is an amazing guest. I call him the mayor of Hollywood. You know him from films like Bombshell, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Air Force One, Public Enemies. Uh, the movie Blonde is coming out opposite uh, Bobby Cannavale. He has done like over 150 guest spots. My friend and incredible human being, Spencer Garrett. Please welcome, pop yourself on. Hi, Spence. I Hi, Sherry Shaw. We go way back. You guys don't know, but we go, we go way back, back like car seats, baby. Yes, indeed. But isn't it all about the connection in the world? Isn't yeah. it all about making connections yeah. along the way? Absolutely. Uh, Spencer. We go back, we go back, what, 20, 25, 30 years? Yes. Uh, you know, and your husband, Rick, and, you know, you're, you're, you're Mishbuka from, uh, you know, from when I first got to L.A., you know? It's crazy. And my heart yeah. goes to you, and I love you so much. And you know what? You guys don't know this. We don't speak, but when we do speak... After year after yeah. year, it just just starts from where it all. Well, began. and I know we were supposed to get together for a, a distant cocktail a couple of weeks ago, but we'll make that happen soon. Definitely. Uh, I was in the Definitely. I was in the middle of shooting. Thank God, I I got asked to come back to the final season of Bosch, uh, so I was doing a bunch of episodes of that, which I just uh, finished. So let's uh, talk about now that I mean right. now that uh, we're kind of shut down for the holidays. Um, I don't I don't have anything on my schedule until March. So wow. I've got lots of lots of time for. Uh, well, then you're going to be coming over. You're yes. definitely going to be coming over. But let's get to what the audience wants to hear. Let's do it. Let's hear about you. Yeah. I want to. I, I just. How did you become so successful? What is it about you, Spencer, that you were able to? You know, you trained, you did your studying, but you and I know you. So you would have things going on in your life, but the minute you went into a room, you channeled your superstardom, and you were able to tell a clear-cut story. What are the tools you use? So we can maybe enhance people's lives. Well, that's a, I mean, it's a lovely way of putting it. I, you know, it, it, uh, I started out kind of, I kind of started out slowly. I mean, I moved out here from New York in 1989 mm -hmm. and uh, I kind of hit the ground running. I did a couple of things right off the bat. Um, 21 Jump Street and, oh. you know, like, you know, like the usual things that, you know, like the, you know, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger and Matlock and, I got on all these shows that were on the air at the time, um, and I and I kind of got into a good groove. And then, like every actor, you know, I was 25 when I moved out here, and when I was 25, I looked like I was probably 19. I looked very young. So the parts, the kinds of parts that I wanted, and the kinds of roles that I was going after, um, I, I it took me a while to sort of grow into my physicality, to grow into my face. Mm -hmm. um, I was I was I was born 42 coming out of the womb. Um, so I've always had an older, I guess, an older energy an older vibe. Um, but I didn't I wasn't really uh, I didn't get the 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 young the young male ingenue roles because I projected a different energy. So it took me a little bit of a little, little bit of time to kind of grow into my face. Yeah. So, you know, there were sort of peaks and valleys and, you know, it's a roller coaster ride, as you know, and then kind of a, about 10 years into it, I kind of clicked into a nice groove and I learned how to be uh, better in the room. Mm. Um, I learned how to use that nervous energy to my advantage because even even to this day, I mean, even though auditions in person seem to be kind of a thing of the past, you know, you go in the room and you're in there with a bunch of strangers that you don't know and they're all there to judge you. Mm. Um, 
and you've just left the waiting room with 12 actors who you all know and you're all yeah. friends with and you're all rooting for each other and you're all wishing each other well, but you want the gig and there's competition. But when you go in the room, you still have the sides in your hand and you're still kind of shaking the sides in your hand. It there's never still that. Goes away. Those nerves never go away. Never go it's away. It's a never go away. And, and, and it's a good thing. I remember asking, uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, who's sort of become a mentor and a very dear friend and, a. a a father figure, a brother, in many ways to me, uh, a, a touchstone for me as an actor. Um, and I asked him, you know, he, he did uh, Thurgood uh, several years ago on Broadway, a one-man show about Thurgood Marshall. And I said, are you, are you nervous ever, like after all your success? And, you know, he's won a couple of Tonys and been nominated for Oscars. And, and he said, every time I walk out on stage, every single time I walk out on stage, I'm, I'm still have that. You know, I mean, if you're not, you're dead inside. If you don't yeah. have that that buzz, so I learned how to channel that uh, and be better at it. And how? I think I, I just think my I think my confidence grew, mm. and I learned and I learned how to be better in the room and own the room and own my time in that space better. It took me some time, but I learned how to. Um, you know, you got five minutes when you walk in the room. You got your pages, and you have five minutes to sell yourself uh, on whatever piece of material you're given. And um, I did, I was really good about uh, being prepared, doing my homework. If I, if it was something I felt like I needed to be coached on, I would get coached for it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went in there with a seriousness of purpose. Um, as I got older, I learned how to be more serious about knowing that this is a business. Mm -hmm. It's not just, it's a craft. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're, that's why we're here. Uh, I love acting more than anything in the world. It's, I, I know, I don't know how to do anything else, but it's also a business. And I learned that side of it. So I learned how to take that side of it much more seriously. So when I got into my thirties, my later thirties, my early forties, I was kind of like, people knew who I was at that point. I'd build up a body of work. And I think my confidence grew. And I think I just, when I walked through that door, um, you know, early on when you, when you sit down and you have your sides in your hand and somebody says, one of the suits says, you know, do you have any questions? Uh, do you have any questions for us? And I, you know, and I learned how to say, um, I'll ask you the questions when we're on set. You know, Ooh, you know, sorry. I'll say, no, we'll, we'll, we, we can talk about it. Uh, we can talk about it, you know, on set. Like I'd already, I'd already assumed I got in that room and I just assumed that I was going to get that job. Oh, that's God. how, that's how I, that's how I approached each audition and it started to work for me. So. Well, plus your work has to match it and your work is glorious. And how did you uh, work with your nerves? What was that little, can we inspire anybody with any kind of information? Did you just breathe? Did you just take a pause? I do. I just, I would, I would, I would take a pause. I would learn how to, I'm, I'm somebody that, um, I try not to overwork the material. I try not to overthink the material. Mm -hmm. um, I oftentimes I will get an audition, and this is probably a, a, not a great work habit, but it works for me. Mm -hmm. um, I like to uh, I like to find an improvisational quality to uh, to the to the material that I'm given. So if I get a, if I get some sides. Um, I'll read it through a few times. If I get the appointment on a Monday night and the audition is for a Wednesday, I'll read it through a couple of times on Monday night. I'll look at it once or twice on Tuesday. 
I won't be completely off book with it. When I go into the room on Wednesday morning or whatever the appointment is, I'll have it, but I like to be able to throw my own kind of riff into it. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with, I'm coming up with my ideas and my choices uh, in the moment. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So not, you yeah. don't sculpt out your material all the way? You don't see- I do, I do to a certain extent. I mean, there, if, there, if there's, if, it depends on what the material is. I will, uh, you know, if it's, if there's, a, if it's a certain physicality to the, to the guy, or there's a certain thing that's going on within the context of the scene. But for the most part, uh, I will have the sides or I'll have the material. And I just like the freedom of improvisation of coming up with my own choices right there in the room. And I, and I will, and I've, and I've learned how to gauge whether or not it's working there in the moment. And I can calibrate my, I can calibrate my performance, you know, as I, as I go along. Well, because you have enough confidence to read the room and still stay strong in, in the choices. But are you saying that you make up the words and improv the words? Are you no, 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 no. I don't make up. No, I don't. I don't make up the words. I, I, I use the I use the, the text, obviously. I mean, I, 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 I to honor the text. I'm there to honor the text. I'm there to serve the writer. I have a very dear actor friend of mine who famously would rewrite the writer's words. Uh, he shall remain nameless. A yes. wonderful, a wonderful actor who actually also teaches acting, uh, oddly enough. But he he was he was rewriting his audition scenes. He was adding stuff, taking stuff out. And at one point, I said, you know, and he wasn't booking it. I said, I, I don't think you can do that. Yeah, they're very, no, you know, writers. They're very. I mean, can you imagine going in to read from Matt Weiner on Mad Men? who was yeah. incredibly precious about, you had to have every the uh, and um, everything right. had to be precise. So no, no, I'm, I'm very specific about honoring the writer's, the writer's you're words. Saying, you're saying being free in the moment to moment of not knowing even in yourself what's gonna come up next. But that, you know, I have to say that comes with years of training and being free enough to do that. Yeah, it, it, it works for me. Uh, and then again, if it's, if it's something where I feel like I really need to be very, very super specific and letter perfect, uh, and there's not a lot of room for error and fuck up, then I will be, you know, then I will be, precise. I will be precise. But for the most part, I like to, uh, it helps me with the nerves. I like to go in there and just sort of feel loose. Um, I don't do a lot of chit chat in the room. I don't do a lot of uh, glad handing and, you know, chitty chat. Hi, how are you? How you been? Now, I mean, I used to. Now I walk in the room, I sit down, you know, and I say to them, "Got any questions for me?" No, good. Let's go. I mean, oh, that's incredible. That I go. Incredible. I mean, I just go in there ready to work. I'm going in there. It sounds. It sounds, you know, arrogant and ballsy, but I go into the room expecting to get the job. Well, uh, that is the best mindset I ever heard. Courteously aggressive, but believing in yourself is the only power you have. Yeah. It's the only power you have. Yeah. But deservedly so because you've booked so many jobs. But so in the past, when you walked into the room and started the chit chat, did you feel yeah. like that took away from that the was the, that was the nerves talking. That was me trying to f find my find my way into my seat, uh, and I was chitting and chatting and and you know, just bullshitting with the, with the people in the room because I didn't feel, I didn't have that confidence yet. So mm -hmm. I was sort of using that, I was breaking that ice 
in order to settle myself into the chair to get ready to do the scene. Um, and I found, I found that I was doing it a little bit too much. I was trying to be a little, a little bit too casual. I was trying to be a little bit too familiar with the people in the room, a little bit too, um, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the word. Too cozy. I was trying to be a little too cozy with the people. And there was a, you know, there was a, a, a presumptuousness about that that I found ultimately didn't work. And now it's just like, uh, you know, uh, I, I go in uh, and I, you know, and I would also, also when I would leave the room, I mean, I would have those sides with me in the car and I'd be driving down the 405 and I'd be looking at them and say, oh Christ, if only if I'd put my arm here and if I'd said this word with this inflection, now, like, now I leave the room I toss the sides in the trash can and I go on to the next thing because you yeah. can't overthink it. Otherwise you'll be, you know, you'll be thinking oh. about, you know, if they went, if they went with the other guy, they went with the other guy. Yeah. Um, I know that I did the best job that I could. Yeah. A hundred percent. What was your first job? Do you remember your very first job that you felt, Oh, this is putting me, this is putting me in a different level from where I started. What was that first? Game? Well, the, I mean, my first first job, if you want to go back to when I'm, you know, Fine. eight years old. I mean, I, I it's it's well, that uh, way back, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I I did I did like little after school specials and things like that when I was a little kid. I had no idea what I was doing really. I just had a I had a performer's heart. I had a performer's instinct. I grew up on television and movie sets. My mom's an actor. My grandparents were actors. My aunt and uncle were actors. I my mom. You know, I would I'd be on the road with her. You know, she'd be doing summer stock, um, or she'd be doing a movie somewhere. So I grew up backstage in green rooms in trailers. So I'm I've been I grew up sort of immersed in all of that, the culture of that you know that that world. Um, very fortunate to have you know have had that experience, but a lot of people don't. But um, you know, so I think that gave me sort of a level of comfortableness with you know being on a set I, I i i i love and i tell i tell my students you know even to this day as long as i've been doing this 30 whatever years every time i walk onto a set i look around and i go oh my god i get to act today i get to act with tom hanks i get to act with charlize theron i'm like a kid in a candy store i'm i'm starstruck still by the people that I get to work with. I'm still like, I just have the joy, the fact that I still get to fucking do this yeah, after amazing. all these years. Um, I, I, I feel so lucky, but answering your question, the, the, there's, one, uh, there's one gig that I point to that kind of changed, hmm. I suppose, the trajectory, which was, uh, I guess, 2006, um, movie called Public Enemies, Bonnie Timmerman, a very famous casting director, Bonnie Timmerman, yes. very famously tough, hard-nosed. Uh, you know, she cast Miami Vice. She cast every movie for Michael Mann, uh, tough New York broad. And she brought me in to read for this, uh, a really lovely role in Michael Mann's films. And I, and I worship Michael Mann. And I was terrified. And because the character that I was reading for was like, he was like an ex-boxer, and uh, there was a very different physicality about him than I normally, I mean, I had been playing lawyers, judges, doctors, 
you know, I called them my 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 pan of my my collection of pricks in suits. Uh, <laughs> I played lots of pricks in suits for a long time. That was my stock and trade, and I got to be very good at it. But it was also very boring to me. Like I got to a point where I was like, oh great, I'm playing another asshole lawyer on Law yeah. and Order. Grateful for the work, thrilled for the work, but there wasn't a lot of variety. Yes. And so when Bronnie, Bonnie Timmerman brought me in to read for this thug, boxer, getaway car driver who shoots a Tommy gun, something I'd, you know, I'd never done before. Um, and I went up to her and I said, before we read for this, Bonnie, I said, can I, can I read for like the FBI guy or the huh? lawyer guy? And she said, Spencer, I've been watching you play these, you know, these pricks in suits <laughs> for 25 years. She said, I've been following your career. You're really good at what you do. But she said, I think you're better than that. And I want to I want to see you do something different. I want Michael Mann to see you do something different. So I'm trying to give you this opportunity wow. to play a character that you've never played before. Um, and she did. And she said, come back tomorrow. Come back the next day. Uh, and and I really want to see you, you know, I want to see you nail this. And Wait. so she gave me an opportunity to come back. I went back the next day, uh, got the gig. Um, you know, I was one of I was one of Johnny Depp's gang members in yeah. this ensemble of you know with Stephen Dorff and Jason. Oh, Clark. I remember. I love your you work. Know, so, I mean, and that movie, I would say, I had done several movies at, at that point. Um, you know, I started with Air Force One and and. Uh, you know, lovely and amazing and some terrific movies. I built up a nice little resume of film work playing different kinds of roles, but yeah. that's the movie that kind of put me in gr grown up movie world. What did you have to do when you left to Bonnie's office that day and your adrenaline's rushing? Yeah. And you had to do this role and come back. What was your process? Did you My emotionally connect physically? What, what's your process tell us? And how did you overcome that by coming back the next day? And then I want to talk about how different it is now because you're not in the room. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think my, I think my process was, I, I, you know, I went, I'm, I remember driving home. I was having a conversation with Richard Schiff, who, who was outside the office, who was going in to read for a different part. And I mean, there were a lot of amazing actors there that were coming in to read for this film. And I knew that I was in some heady company. And I just remember driving home and thinking, okay, schmuck, she's giving you, she's handing this to you on a platter. Yes. Like, you know, you have to come in and you have to deliver. And Michael Mann does something very unusual with his actors that he auditions. Uh, he, has, he, has, uh, he has somebody with a Steadicam uh, film you as you're doing the audition. So I was in the room. It wasn't just me and a, you know, like Zoom like this. Oh. Uh, there was somebody there following me around. I was doing the scene. So I was able to, you know, act out the physicality of the scene. I wasn't just sitting at a chair or up against a wall. I mean, I was being filmed by a, you know, by a, a cameraman. Yes. And that gave me the experience of being in a movie, uh, of being in a movie directed by Michael Mann. And all of a sudden it just it just all sort of came together. But so, I mean, I guess- So you felt uh, like you got lost in the world of- uh, I got lost in the world of this guy. Um, I, you know, I, I, had read the, I had read the book that the movie was based on. Um, I came in well prepared. I mean, I came in the day before even to see Bonnie. Right. 
but I was but I was terrified, and I asked her if she would you know let me read for a role that right. I thought that I would get easily more easily, and she said, "No, I'm going to challenge you. Yeah. you know, I want to see what you can do." So I think it was just that challenge of her throwing down the gauntlet and 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 saying, you know, you're you're better than this, um, and and this movie is going to change your life. Yeah, but that's uh, incredible because you know when actors get a lot of opportunity you either rise above it or you fall down because the nerves take over. So not to, to yeah. really, so you obviously did your homework in knowing the life of the character and you made your choices and combined yourself. Yeah. And you knew what you were gonna do. You had to have pre-planned some things in this one, allowing yourself to get to the- Oh moment. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've also, I mean, the internet was around in 2007, but you know, so I was like digging around and looking for information on this guy, his name is Tommy Carroll. He was a real life guy, ex-boxer. He'd been in and out of prison most of his life. Um, I mean, you know, lived a life, you know, he, he murdered three people. I mean, like this is a guy that, wow. you know, so foreign from my experience that I had to try to, you know, get into that headspace. Mm -hmm. And I just love the buzz of that, just the juice of being able to uh, have the challenge of, you know, playing playing somebody that I, uh, that I wouldn't normally have had an opportunity to play. So um, it was it was a combination of me, uh, you know, doing my homework, coming in with a, a, a certain physicality about the guy that I had kind of come up with the night before, um, a certain way that he walked, a certain way that he spoke, uh, you know, a little bit of a Chicago accent. I was sort of throwing all these things together. And of course, we, you know, when you do stuff like that, you run the risk of, you know, I, I don't want to get caught acting here. Mm -hmm. I don't want the acting to police to, you know, to come, you know, running around the corner and, and haul me out of the room. So I wanted it to be subtle and real and grounded. And whatever I, whatever I did, it worked. Um, and the funny thing is, Bonnie said, Michael is going to be watching this from Chicago where he's scouting locations right now. He's watching this over video wow. and so I thought that he was in Chicago watching this somehow remotely. I finished the audition and then Bonnie opened the door and Michael Mann walked in and he said, he said, that was terrific kid. I'll see you in Chicago. No way. You got this part right away. Yeah. I mean that day, Wow. That day, which, which never happens. I mean, he came in, I thought he was in Chicago. He came in, shook my hand. He said, he said that he said, that's the guy. He said, I'll see you in wow. Chicago. And, is, and then the funny thing is, my I, I've I've now done four projects for Michael since then. Um, I uh, he's he's become a, a friend and a mentor. Yes. Um, obviously, I did something right, but I'll never forget when I was sitting in the makeup trailer. I flew actually back and forth between. I don't know if you know stories about Michael Mann and how meticulous he is. I don't. I don't he, at all. He has such an attention to detail about every every you know, the, the, the knot on your necktie and uh, the kind of fedora that you're wearing and all of this. I mean, it was, I flew back and forth between LA and Chicago three times for, uh, for tests. Uh, I had, my character had a broken nose. So they, they did like tests on my nose to do prosthetics on my nose and give me a broken nose and a cauliflower ear, they call it. You yeah. know, where I had like, I had like a busted up ear and I had a scar, I actually still have, you can't see it, but I got a, uh, they shaved my eyebrows to give me a scar over my eyebrow, um, which I still I still have to this day because my hair never grew back. Um, oh but I pulled Michael aside in the makeup trailer and I said, hey, Michael, I said, 
you know, thanks for this opportunity. I'd love to sit down and talk to you about my character sometime. He, his entire production team puts together, every film that he does, he puts together a dossier on, I, I had a, a, a book this thick. That's with, amazing. With, with information about the time period, about my character. Um, so the, the homework was, you know, was Gifted. practically done for me. Every single actor in the film had a dossier on their real life character. That is incredible. I had. But no I pulled him aside and I said, "I want to talk about my character." And he said, "He said you want to talk about your character?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Okay." He looked at his watch. He said, "Okay, go, talk about your character." And I went, "No, no." I meant like I'd love to like get a drink at the hotel and talk about it. And he said, "Spencer Garrett." He said, "I hired you to be the guy. You show up tomorrow and be the guy." How does wow. that? Sound? And that's how it's like, he's like, I'm not going to get into the minutia, into the granularity of your character with it. I hired you because I knew you could pull this off. You're going to show up on set and you're going to be the guy. I'm going to direct the movie. There are actors, directors, and there are directors that hire actors to, to yeah. because they know that, you know, this is it. what they're going to bring to the party. I mean, the difference between... That's amazing. I, it was, I called it the, the year of my three Michaels. I had Michael Bay, Mike Nichols, and Michael Mann Jeez. all in one year. You could not ask for three more, oh. more incredibly different directors. Mike Nichols, the ultimate actor's director. You know, I That's, love to be directed. I why? love- Because and, he takes the time and he talks about oh, it. Oh yeah, I love to be directed. I love to be directed. I mean, Mike, Michael Mann would give me direction but for the most part, I mean, he's putting together set pieces and car yeah. chases and all of this. So you just have to show up and do your job, yes. you know, you know, and he would whisper something in my ear from time to time. Give me a check, you know, try this, do this, change this. Mike Nichols, you know, I mean, would pull me into his trailer and, you know, and spend a half an hour with me. I had one, I had two scenes with Tom Hanks in that movie. And I'm sitting there thinking, I can't fucking believe I'm sitting in a trailer with <laughs> Nichols. Talking about you know my scene with Tom Hanks, I still get oh. I still get buzzed over it. Well, you love what you do, and you're so I love great it. Do I mean it's just it's in your bones. Was your mother uh, president of the Screen Actors Guild? She was that? the uh, not only not she was the president. She was the first woman president of the Screen okay. Actors Guild. And her name just let's announce her name. Kathleen again. Nolan. Mm -hmm. uh, she was probably most famously. Um, she was Wendy in Peter Pan on Broadway oh. with Mary Martin. Yes. Um, and then she did lots of live television in New York uh, and Los Angeles. And then she landed her first television series called The Real McCoys. She did a show called The Real McCoys for seven yes. years with yes. Walt Brennan and Richard Crenna. Uh, got a couple of Emmy nominations and, you know, several hundred television shows. But she was the first woman president, not just of the Screen Actors Guild, but of a labor union in the world. No, and that is amazing. That yeah. is incredible. I didn't even know that. I was just doing a little research on you, and I was like, "Because yeah. yeah. we go so way back, and I never yeah. knew that." Yeah, yeah, no, no. Mom's amazing. In fact, she's she did. Uh, she's eighty-seven. Uh, she would she would hate if I told anybody that, but she's eighty-seven. <laughs> she did her last. Uh, she worked uh, two years ago. She did her last film, uh, which hap unfortunately happened to be Burt Reynolds' last mm -hmm. film, a movie called The Last Movie Star. Directed yes. by Adam Rifkin, so she's still working up until about two years ago. Um, oh, 
not. You know, That's so incredible. she loves it. She loves it. She loves it more than I do. She's been she's been acting since she's two years old. She grew up on a uh, what used to be called a showboat on the Mississippi River in St. Louis. It was called the Goldenrod Showboat, the paddle wheel. You know, yes, the showboat like yes. like the Mark Twain at Disneyland. Yes. She actually grew up on that, and it had a theater, and it would go up and down the Mississippi River. And people from the little towns would get onto the boat and sit in the theater and they would put on plays and then the play would be over and then the boat would sail on down to the next town. So that's what's, you know, that's in my, that's in my, that's in my bones. So in your bones, but also Spencer, your voice is so powerful. It resonates from such a deep guttural place that voice is so important for actors listening out there, but yours is, and were you, you were theater trained as well, right? You became from yeah, I mean, I studied. I studied with Mr. Meisner for seven years. Yes. Uh, I studied with I studied with Sandy uh, off and on in Los Angeles, New York. He had a home on the island of Beckwe in the West Indies, where he would take twenty students to his to this oh, island, and for a wow. month, and you would study. You would live, breathe, eat, sleep, devour the Meisner technique. You know, twelve yeah. hours a day on this island in the West Indies. Quite That's an experience. But then I studied with him out here yeah. uh, at Playhouse West, yes. um, and then uh, and then and 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 uh, and then a year at Juilliard. Uh, but I left. I left Juilliard to you know to uh, I, I skipped out on the three year plan and just decided to you know head for the head for the ocean. Hey, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. It's yeah. amazing. What can we speak to actors out there if they're just getting started? What is advice that you would give to them today? Huh. It's such a different world. I mean, you know, audition wise, it's uh, I mean, I'm just getting used to this whole new self tape thing. I went I, I just I went out and bought my ring light and my stand yes. and my yes. self tape thing, all that. Um, oh, let me, can I just say one thing? Yeah. You still uh, have to audition after your resume. It's about it's it's about a look at his resume. It is huge. Yes. It's about 50-50. I mean, I love getting offered stuff and that happens a lot. But if there's something that I really want to go after and they, you know, and, and you know, and the manager says, well, he's offer only and the casting director says, good for him. If he doesn't, <laughs> get, you know, then he, I mean, I love, but listen, I love to audition. For me, yes. it's, it, for auditioning is, it's a chance to act, yes. you know, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm good at it and I like doing it and I have fun doing it. So I don't mind it. Wait, so um, let me backtrack for a second. Yeah. We'll talk about the audition instead of the advice. So when you're doing your auditions now, because yeah. you're at home and you're doing it on Zoom, do you have somebody call in? Because I know we coach here, but we coach on on Zoom. Who reads for you? How do you set that up? For I you? haven't, I actually have not done, I've only done one self-tape during COVID. Oh. Uh, but usually I go, there's a couple of a couple of people that I go to that I read up. But I've only done one self-tape uh, during during COVID times. And have um, you um, had any uh, director sessions on Zoom yet? Have you had it, any experience on that yet? I got, I just got, I just got, yeah, I just got cast in a film by uh, having a having a, an audition slash conversation with a director in London over Zoom, uh, yeah. just like this. It was yeah. uh, it was a forty five minute long conversation. We talked for about thirty five minutes, and then he said, "You want to do a little bit of reading?" And I read and I read with him uh, wow. and you know it was whatever it was two 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 in the afternoon here and 10 at night there and we read and we were done uh, and he said all right mate I'll see you on the set so 
Um, this happens to you quite a bit. I love this. Yeah. I love uh, that, so listen, it's God willing, uh, I'm supposed to start uh, a, a series. I got cast uh, in, in a series for Adam McKay. Um, oh, which playing, one? Uh, it's, well, it's tentatively called Showtime. I think they're going to change the name of it. But it's about the, it's about the late 1980s LA Lakers with uh, oh. Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, I'm playing this guy. Incredible, incredible. This is so exciting. Let's see. I'm playing Chick Hearn. You're playing Chick Hearn? I'm playing Chick Hearn. That's the amazing. The Lakers for 50 years. So we shot the pilot. We were supposed to go into production. We got picked up for a season. Uh, we were supposed to start in June. Yes. Uh, but we've been pushed to uh, to April. So um, I'm pretty psyched about that. So that's uh, that's what I've been. So I can't I can't really take anything that's no, going to that's going to interfere with that. But uh, I might still get, I might get to go to London for 10 days and, you know, squeeze that in. That wouldn't suck. Um, no, but listen, as far as, as far as advice, I mean, you know, I, I say this to everybody and to, and, and to all of the kids that I talk to, the students, I teach out at the Ruskin school for John Ruskin, uh -huh. who was okay. Sandy Meisner's assistant. And I teach a master class out there from time to time. And I just say, do your homework, you know, read. I'm sitting here, I'm looking at, what do I have? 11 plays by Henrik Ibsen. Wow. On my desk. Uh, keep reading, keep reading. Dean O'Neill. Wow. Shakespeare. I mean, these are the books that I'm using to prop up my Zoom right now. Um, <laughs> I'm constantly reading plays. I'm constantly, I mean, I probably read two or three plays a week. Um, I go down, I, uh, there's something called the Criterion Collection, which is this extraordinary app if you have apple tv uh it's where it's where you can find all the foreign films and oh. i just go down like a you know uh, i just go down a movie rabbit hole i mean learn from the best learn, learn from, from the best. best steal from the best you know i mean uh but learn a process when you say to everyone to have a process a lot of actors don't understand what a process is so you have to find the place that works for you you know obviously you know my studio wherever you know you yeah. want to go that you have yeah. to understand how to craft your material and yeah. then connect it to your heart. You have to, or else it has to, and it has to be, uh, it has to be a. You have to feel safe and comfortable in the space that you're doing your work in. Yes. You have to be in a supportive environment. So you know, and I know, I know that you have that. I know that your students adore you um, because Thanks. because you respect them. You 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 you're an actor yourself. Well, you respect you know you respect the craft. You respect the process. You know how fucking hard it is. Yes, and I'm uh, obsessed to do what we do. The process. I'm obsessed, yeah. and all my teachers here we're obsessed, and we have a process that we use. But it comes from the true love of it. You can't teach it or be in it if you don't love it so much. Absolutely, absolutely. Not a chance. Yeah. So no, you have, you have to love it, and I you know listen, I I'm I'm so grateful that I just I love it every day. I still like I said, there are days where I walk onto a set and I go, God, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah. Like, I mean, once upon a time in Hollywood, I, I you know, I had yeah, not. You were so great in that movie. You were so wonderful. I was. I had so not met Tarantino. I, I, I auditioned for a wonderful, a wonderful casting director. Again, if you are lucky enough to audition in person for a casting director who loves actors and mm -hmm. wants you to get the job, you know, you're ahead of the game. Yeah. Uh, Victoria Thomas is one of those people. Yep. She's been a champion of mine for a few years. She brought me in to read for this part. I read the lines of that character from the movie and I was like, 
oh my god this guy is me like i this i i've gotta i've gotta get this guy and and i went in read for her and i left the room and i just thought i i knew i was gonna get that gig yeah i knew there was probably 200 guys that she read but somehow i just thought this this is my time to get this particular role I met Quentin. I didn't meet him until I walked onto the set. Wow. Uh, the, the, we shot that scene in that little Western town. It was me yeah. and no, DiCaprio and Pitt. Yeah. And, you know, and there, and I'm walking from my trailer onto the set and I see these two guys and they're sitting there in the chairs. And because we shot the scene where I'm interviewing the two of them on yes, the Western I, town I, yes, yes. of DiCaprio's show. And I, and, and I kind of stopped for a moment and I'm about a hundred feet away from them. And I went, holy shit, that's Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? But you know what the best part? The best part of that was I sat down, we shook hands, we hugged. Quentin said, thanks for being here. He knew my entire, he's like, you did an episode of Family Matters one time where you played like the no. wacky, he like, he knew Every episode of every show, every movie that I'd ever been in, because um, he's like an encyclopedia of film history. Um, and he said, you were the only guy for this part. He said, when I, when I saw your audition, it was like somebody transported you from 1961 and put you in this. No, you moment. definitely have that period feel to you, 100%. But how did you deal with meeting him, meeting Brad Pitt, DiCaprio, all at once. Brad said, Brad said to me, uh, he said, I know I've seen you in a million things. He said, have we ever worked together before? And I said, well, we haven't worked together together, but you wouldn't remember this, but we were both on the last three episodes of Dallas together. <laughs> um, and he was like a 19, 20 year old kid. This is way before Thelma and Louise. Um, yeah. And he was on Dallas. He did like a little recurring thing as a kid on Dallas. And it was one of my first things when I first came out here and and DiCaprio turns to Brad and says, you did Dallas. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, did you ever do like a Matlock or a Falcon Crest? And all of a sudden, like these the two of the biggest movie stars in the world are talking about the stuff that they did when, you know, making their bones as young actors. You know, I mean, DiCaprio was on Growing Pains and he yeah. did guest spots and, mm -hmm. you know, Brad Pitt d did a couple of failed pilots. And, you know, so like all of a sudden, you know, you're talking to these mega movie stars who are also just incredibly talented and genetically gifted, but are yeah. also just like they are. There's something about being a movie star and just having that humility mm -hmm. and that 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 warmth of like they were so welcome they were humanizing themselves but which they are human but they well, were i know but i just they made me feel like a peer yeah. they made me feel like i wasn't just the guy coming into day play for that one scene you know they were they were just as thrilled that i was there to be a part of the scene with them as i was to meet them but the fact that we were just bullshitting about doing guest spots when we were young actors i just thought oh we're just three character actors shooting the shit That's you know awesome. dicaprio hands me he hands me a cigarette an unfiltered paul mall he said do you smoke i said i quit about 10 years ago but i said i'll have one now you know <laughs> and, I, and i'm sitting there having a cigarette and i got I, i'll never forget because i took a i took a hit off the cigarette i hadn't <laughs> i hadn't smoked and i got i got like ripped 
from yeah totally so, and no filter yeah. no filter oh my god yeah but we did that scene in like uh in three takes um i had a 7 a.m call i was back in my car by 8 30 in the morning heading back down the five oh, on my way home that's yeah. amazing what an incredible experience what's it was great have, what, what's coming out you just told me you finished a movie blonde. uh it's a film called blonde directed yeah. by andrew dominic who mm -hmm. directed brad uh in uh killing them softly uh, and Brad Pitt actually directed it. It's it's uh, based on the Joyce Carol Oates book about Marilyn Monroe, uh, oh. and and uh, Ana de Armas uh, plays uh, from Knives Out. Wonderful, wonderful actress. Yes. yes. Uh, she plays Marilyn Monroe, and uh, oh. uh, Bobby Cannavale and Adrian Brody, and a, a ridiculous cast, a great cast. Yes. Um, when is I it coming? I, I play a pimp. I play <laughs> I play President Kennedy's pimp. Oh, this yeah. is gonna be fascinating. When do it's we out? Yeah. when is it gonna be out? I mean it was supposed to be out in the fall. I don't know if it's gonna be out. I don't know if it's coming out this year or not. Um yeah. so who knows? I hope so. I'm excited to see that. I, yeah. I love you so much. Okay. Actors, study, train, stay in the craft, learn a process. Before we close out, what are three things that, that you can be inspiring to uh the listeners about? what they can have opportunity and what kind of mindset to stay in before we close this episode. This, this pandemic will end. Life will get back to normal. Um, while you're, while we are in these unnormal times, um, stay as creative as you possibly can. And I mean that whether it's learning how to cook, learning how to play the guitar, do something creative, always be involved in something creative, always keep your creative juices flowing. Don't stagnate, don't, you know, don't tread water. We're gonna get out of this. And once we do get the fuck out of it, we're gonna hit the ground running and go back to the normalcy of, you know, of, of the everyday of going out and auditioning and hustling and grinding. And, you know, that's what it's about. So stay creative and, and you know, do your homework, watch, as many films as God knows, I must have watched a hundred movies in the last nine months. Um, movies that I wouldn't normally watch. That's why I was talking about the Criterion Collection. Watching a lot of foreign films. Watching a lot of uh, watching a lot of actors uh, that I hadn't seen before. Watching a lot of movies that were on my bucket list that I that I hadn't gotten around to. So watching a lot of films uh, with a lot of actors that I wasn't really that familiar with before. Because um, you can always find something in someone's performance that informs something that you do. Mm. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's, that's my, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I, I, uh, three weeks into the pandemic, I, I decided to create a, a television show on Instagram. So I put together a show called Quarantine, about 12 out of work soap opera actors. And we got together every week and we improved a nine minute episode and put it up on, you know, and we did it, we raised $25,000 for the SAG Foundation COVID-19 relief fund. Um, and just to, tell everybody how to watch that because I had Jeremy Gordon on as a guest and he mentioned, he talked about it as well. Oh, Jeremy, well, he's my yeah. producing partner. I mean, Jeremy yeah. and I, Jeremy yeah. and I produced, you know, Quarantine. Uh, you can find it on, uh, it's like at quarantine.tv. It's, yeah. it's on IGTV, on, uh, on Instagram TV. And there's 25 episodes. You can watch the entire series in an hour. They're like yeah. six minute bites. And it's all improv, all made up. It's sort of guided improv. 
we came up with the storyline the night before. We would give the actors the premise, and then we would shoot it on Zoom. We had three different directors from three different locations filming this on Zoom, and then we would put it together, edit it, put music in, uh, and we had a blast. And we did that every Friday and Saturday for nine weeks, and that was what that's what I did to keep myself from going batshit crazy. Yeah, you got to yeah. keep sanity and guys let me just interject and say if you can make as many connections in the communities that where you're studying because whoever you meet during covid it's a lifetime friendship it's a lifetime yeah. connection because this is never happened in a hundred years so but also yeah but not just that it, it being being a part of the acting community yes. is is a lifelong thing you know, you're going to, you know, the people that you, the, the, the students that you have in your class, you know, you meet somebody and you're doing a scene work with your scene partner. You know, you're, this is a, we're, we're part of a community. We're part of a, a family. Yeah. Um, you know, a actors get, actors get a bad rap uh, sometimes, but I, I think, you know, it's important to understand, especially now um, we're, we're part of a family, you know, this community of actors uh, and creatives that are, you know, we're, we're, we're making content. We're putting our own stuff out there. We're putting stuff on YouTube. You have to, you know, you have to, you have to make your own shit happen yeah. and you're going to, you're going to develop lifelong friendships with the people that you grew up in your creative process with, um, during this time. So when this is all over, you're going to, we're going to look back on it. It's been a horrific time, but in a lot of ways, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, it's been a very positive experience creatively. There's been a lot of good that's come out of it, I think. Yeah. Silver so, lining. You always have to look at that silver lining for sure. And I know yeah. the community is just the most important thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's everything. It's just yeah. everything. Spencer, yeah. thank you so much for coming on today. I love you so very much. And I, I miss you. And I'm so happy that we got to hang out. And stay strong out there, guys. And I'll see you soon. Wear a fucking mask. Yes. Wear do a it, mask. Do it. Do it. You have to. It's you got to do it. Thing. We got to do it. We got to get through this thing. It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. It's going to be a tough winter. So yeah. everybody's getting all, I mean, everybody's all, you know, jazzed about the vaccines coming out. We got a ways to go. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but I'm just not Debbie Downer. Your reality please, check. Please. The reality check is to wear your mask. The, the vaccine is not going to cover everyone. Maybe till August, and you have to stay uh, yeah. in in that mindset. It's not over. Not please over. Be safe, and uh, I love you. I love you too. Bye, guys. Talk to you soon.